right, good morning. How, how are y'all doing today? You doing good? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You guys are the real Christians, you know? Anytime, you know, you look at this Thanksgiving weekend and I say anything that shows up on this Sunday, like, I don't know, you get extra star in your crown or something like that. I don't know. Jesse, can you work that out, make that happen? I think you probably can. And I got to say, I am excited about this new series. We start next, next Sunday, The World Turned Upside Down. Even if you can't read the graphic very well, I'm still excited about it. And uh, like Jesse said, yeah, if you have a family member or friend or coworker, uh, be sure and uh, extend an invitation. There's actually research that says half of the people that you would invite would say yes. Half of the people that you would invite would actually say yes. And although I know we tend to be hesitant about it for some reason, but like that's a pretty good return. I mean, you know, batting 500 in baseball would get you like way beyond the Hall of Fame, right? So anyway, that's, that's free. And then uh, I do want to say something. I think Jesse stepped out, but uh, man, if he was in here, Jesse, two years to decide on a vest? Good night. I mean, it's a nice vest, but how long did it take you to propose to your wife? Is he coming in to defend himself now? Because I was just saying, Jesse, two years to decide on a vest. How long did it take you to propose to Kate? Two years. Two years. <laughs> okay. Well, it's the vest and Kate. I won't let her know that she's as valuable as the vest, but anyway. So does it take two years for every decision you make? Is that kind of how it works? Okay. All right. Well, you know, you should talk to me. I might be able to help you out with that just a little bit. All right, enough of that. Uh, today we continue, or actually conclude, this great eight-week series we've been in that's all about what we believe as a church community. And just as a reminder, we've been talking about this a little bit over the past eight weeks, that what we believe is a true story about King Jesus and his kingdom community. What we believe is actually a true story about King Jesus and his kingdom community. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about how we're in this now and not yet time of the kingdom. Do you remember that? We're in this now and not yet time of the kingdom and how through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus brought his kingdom to earth. Okay, he brought it to earth. He says it's here now, but it won't be fully realized, all right, until he returns. And so that's why we live in this kind of now, yeah, the kingdom is here, but it's not yet fully realized. And all we have to do is kind of look around and we can see, yeah. His kingdom's not fully realized. And so today we want to talk about where the story is going. And that means we're going to talk about heaven and hell. Happy Thanksgiving. Hmm. Uh, we sometimes laugh a little bit, I think, about that topic. You know, the afterlife, heaven and hell, plenty of cartoons. People make fun of it at times. But you know what? Throughout history, people have always been interested in the afterlife. If you look at it, throughout history, people have always had an intrigue with what happens after we die. Um, in his book titled Heaven... Author Randy Alcorn makes the case that all cultures have been shaped by some sense of the afterlife. For example, in Egypt, embalmed bodies in the pyramids had maps placed next to them to guide them into the future world. Did you know that? Embalmed bodies actually had maps next to them to kind of guide them into the future world. Australian Aborigines pictured heaven as a distant land beyond the western horizon. Native Americans believed that in the afterlife their spirits would hunt the spirits of buffalo. Doesn't sound like a great afterlife, but that's kind of what they thought. Alcorn writes this. He says, The unifying testimony of the human heart throughout history is belief in life after death. Every culture has a God given, innate sense of the eternal, that this world is not all there is. And so today we're going to talk about where the story is going. And I know in some ways, and I come at it a little bit this way myself at times. You know, like, why talk about it? Whatever happens, happens, right? It all, it's all going to work out, am I right? But hear me on this. I think this is really important, especially for us in the next 20 minutes or so here. 
the hope you find in this part of the story, how it actually ends, can make a huge difference in your life right now. All right? The hope you can find in this part of the story, how this whole thing ends, can actually make a huge difference in your life right now. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, I got a call from a friend who told me his dad was in hospice care. Uh, Just had days to live. And he wanted to know if I would uh, stop by the house and, and, and spend some time talking to his dad. And I did. And I, it was a really, I mean, an incredible experience. Rich time with his dad. We shared some scriptures, prayed together, and just kind of talked about life and, you know, what he really looks back upon with, with incredible memories that just, you know, flooded his mind at that time. But why do you think my friend wanted me to talk to his dad? I mean, why, why do you suppose that then me and my friend who don't normally talk about spiritual matters that often had an extended text exchange about the afterlife? Well, it's because for him, all of a sudden, life after death began to truly matter. It became very important. And the truth is, for every single one of us, it'll be, the, it'll be ourselves or someone we love that will be just moments from their afterlife, and then it's going to matter. It's going to matter even more than it does even in this moment right now. So let me begin uh, by asking you, what comes to mind when you think of heaven and hell? Uh, What comes to mind when you think of heaven and hell? See, I think one of the challenges about this topic, the afterlife, is that many of our ideas come from like medieval history or pop culture much more than they actually come from Scripture. I mean, since the 14th century, Dante's Inferno has shaped much of how we think of hell. And of course, much of our insight into the afterlife today, we've learned from the Netflix series, The Good Place, right? No? Okay. I was asking Lizzie about this, and she tells me it's a very accurate and biblical portrayal of heaven. That's not true? Oh, okay. I I could tell you this, though. For the most part, the way culture talks about the afterlife is really just plain wrong. The way culture actually talks about the afterlife, for the most part, is just plain wrong. Wrong. Now, the common cultural story is that earth is now and heaven and hell come later. That's the common cultural story, right? Earth is now, heaven and hell will come later. And in this framing, we have no experience of heaven and hell in this life at all. There are simply two destinations competing for our eternity. And in this framework, we talk about going to heaven or, or we talk about going to hell, right? But the kingdom story in Scripture frames it up in a very different way. Okay, stick with me on this. In the kingdom story, heaven and hell are current realities we all experience now. In the kingdom story in Scripture, heaven and hell are realities that we all experience right now. Author Joshua Ryan Butler explains it this way. He says, our world is being ravaged by the destructive power of hell. Sin has unleashed it into God's good world, and God is on a mission to get it out. And I love these graphics that we've got designed for this series. Man, it's incredible. You need to kind of like just soak these in a little bit. And in this kingdom story in Scripture, you see, heaven isn't just about the future. It's about a present reality. This is the now and not yet presence of the kingdom on earth that we talked about last week. And so every time we get a taste of, you know, the way things should be, we experience a bit of heaven on earth. Every time we get an experience of the way things actually should be, you know, we talked about last week how things aren't always as they should be. When we experience things as they should be, we actually get a taste of heaven on earth. And remember, Jesus told us to pray for more of what? More of 
the kingdom to come, the, His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So let's have this kingdom story framework from Scripture build our understanding of where the story is going. Let's have this kingdom story from Scripture frame our understanding of where the story is going. Okay, now let me ask you, all right? Do you want uh, the good news or the bad news first? Who wants the bad news first? Good, I'm glad you do because that's what's next in my notes. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the bad news. First, let's talk about hell. I, I think most of us would prefer just to not even think about hell. Can I just ask you a quick show of hands? Who would just prefer we not even talk about it and not even think about it in some ways? Okay, all right. I'm not too far from you on that. I'm kind of a, a very positive thinker. I like to talk about the good stuff and not the bad stuff. For the most part, that works well for me. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. But see, a lot of people, I think, just want to abandon the whole idea of hell altogether. Don't even believe in it. But you know what? Jesus, the one who has shown God's love in ways no one ever has or ever could, talks about hell as a very real thing. Did you know that? In his most famous teaching, known as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says things like, anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. In his parable about the sheep and the goats, he says, uh, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, the majority of theologians believe that Jesus is speaking in metaphor. Uh, for example, the word hell in the first passage from the Sermon on the Mount is the word Gehenna. The word hell is actually the word Gehenna, which is actually the name of a smoldering garbage dump that was right outside of the city of ancient, of the ancient city of Jerusalem. But see, Jesus uses this powerful imagery to point to an eternal reality that there will come a time of judgment. Yeah, in order for God to be love and for God to be good, at some point he has to judge sin. And that's everything that's in opposition to the ultimate good that he wants and dreams for all of us. As uh, New Testament scholar N.T. Wright points out, he says, God is utterly committed to set the world right in the end. God is ultimately and utterly committed to set the world right in the end. And that setting right must necessarily involve the elimination of all that distorts God's good and lovely creation, and in particular of all that defaces his image-bearing human creatures, us. Yeah, it's true. God's going to eliminate all evil. God's going to eliminate all evil. But the most common misconception, I think, regarding hell is that God sends people to hell. The most common misconception about hell is that God sends people to hell. And I think the problem with this belief is that it completely ignores human responsibility. Uh, John, one of Jesus' closest friends and followers, writes this. He says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God doesn't want anybody to be lost. It's his desire for every person to be saved and to have eternal life and experience what it's like to be a part of his kingdom community. You know, sometimes people imagine hell as a terrible place where people are held criminals with God holding the key, but the reality is that the lock is on the inside. We hold the key. We either choose to declare our allegiance to King Jesus and become a part of his kingdom and community forever, or we choose hell. God doesn't choose to send us to hell. Hell is a result of a choice we make. Brilliant writer C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, hell is the greatest monument to human freedom. Those who follow Jesus say to God, thy will be done. 
And those who insist on living a life without God's grace and Jesus, in the end, to them, God says, thy will be done. It's not God's, it's not God's will that anyone experience hell. Full stop. It is not God's will that any person experience hell. All right, so, tell you what, do me a favor. Take a deep breath, okay, on three. Ready? One, two, three. All right, let's turn our attention to what God does want. <laughs> let's talk about heaven. This is the good news. But, you know, just like there are a lot of misconceptions about hell, there are also a lot of misconceptions about heaven. And there's a lot about heaven we just don't know. But that doesn't mean we can't know anything. And the book of Revelation is one of the most difficult books in the Bible to understand. And in it, John, one of Jesus' closest followers, again, and friend, he wrote the Gospel of John. He also wrote Revelation. And in Revelation, he records various visions that were given to him about where our story is going. And this rather lengthy description of one of those visions is at the end of his book, but it may be the single most important passage we have about heaven, all right? So follow along with me. Take a look at this. Here's what John saw. He writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling places are now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Now, there's so much that we could draw from here, right? But I want to highlight what I think are three of the most important truths about heaven in this description, okay? Three of the most important truths about heaven in this description. If you want to write things down, if you want to pull out your smartphone and write this down, this might be helpful for you to think about and reflect on uh, throughout the next week or so. And here's the first one. First, heaven is about a new creation. Heaven is about a new creation. See, God's ultimate plan is not to abandon or destroy the world, but to remake it. Remake it. Yeah, the Bible points to a, a new heaven and a, a new earth that will finally be united. I mean, in other words, this new creation will be a lot like the very best of our current world. Think about that. Filled with beauty and joy and, and connection and devoid of all the bad. See, death, loss, pain, everything that scars our world will be gone. I mean, remember, our world is being ravaged by the destructive power of hell. Sin has taken a toll on God's good world, and God is on a mission to get it out. And Revelation 21 paints a picture of what our world will be like when that happens. God will establish a new physical earth and a new heaven that's perfectly joined together. Followers of King Jesus will experience resurrection into this new eternal reality. The Apostle Paul reminds us that our citizenship is in heaven. And because of that, we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now, that's good news. I always wanted a new body. How about you? 
Hmm, that's pretty good news today. We get a new body. And for some reason, when I read that part about transform our lowly bodies, it makes me think of Star Trek. Remember Beam Me Up Scotty? Where all of a sudden the Trekkies could like beam themselves to another place in an instant? Interesting bit of trivia I found out this week. Apparently that phrase, Beam Me Up Scotty, was never actually stated in any of the Star Trek films or shows. That was free. I digress. But here's what we know. You see, Jesus' resurrection body when he came back to life, after he died, went to the grave three days, when he came back to life, his body is a model for our future resurrected bodies. Did you catch that? His body is a model for what our future resurrected bodies will be like. When Jesus rose from the dead, he still had a physical body, but somehow it was transformed in some like, mysterious way. And followers of Jesus are promised a perfectly new bodily existence in this new heaven and earth. And so first, heaven is a new creation. Second, heaven is about perfect relational connection. Heaven is also about perfect relational connection. See, the focus of the Bible's teaching on heaven is not what we do. I don't know about you, but whenever I think of heaven, I say, okay, what are we going to do, right? I mean, what am I going to... It's not about what we do. It's about who we're with. You see, God will dwell with us. We will be his people. We've talked about this over the course of the last eight weeks. God wants more than anything to have a kingdom community. And so heaven is not about my individual connection with God. It's about being part of his eternal community, his eternal kingdom community. Revelation 7, 9 gives us an amazing picture of this reality. A great crowd of people that no one could count from every nation, tribe, and language standing in the presence of God himself. Think about that. A great crowd of every nation, tribe, and language standing in the presence of God. I think it's a picture all of us long for, right? Look at the division, the war. A great crowd from every nation, tribe, and language standing in the presence of God. You know, funny thing is, though, whenever I think about this idea of being together forever, it always was kind of a good news, bad news sort of scenario because in almost every church I've ever been a part of, just to be honest, there were some people I really liked being around and others, well, not as much. Am I the only one? Come on, let's be honest, okay? So this idea of being together forever always sort of was kind of a mixed bag. I'll tell you what, do, do me a favor, okay? There's not as many here as normal today, but, but look around, take a look around, see? Look at the people next to you, behind you, in front of you, all right? Now, maybe even here there's some people you're like, yeah, I could, you know, I could be with him or her forever. But here's the deal, see? Other people might kind of go, mm, I'm not so sure about him or her. But see, that's not what this is about. See, what I failed to get is all the stuff, check this out, all the stuff that makes us not want to be around each other, our imperfections, our selfishness, right? That won't exist in heaven. And so it's a perfect you and a perfect me together forever. Now, that's not so bad, right? So first, heaven is about a new creation, but heaven is also about perfect relational connection. And then finally, heaven is about God's kingdom fully realized and restored. Heaven is about God's kingdom fully restored. See, there's going to be no more crying, no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. That sound pretty good to anybody about now? Everything that has gone wrong in the past will be made right forever. God will make everything new. And, and just for a moment, Notice how kind and relational this moment is. 
I mean, we've got God's love and compassion on full display as he is described as personally wiping the tears from our worn out and tired eyes. Isn't that a beautiful picture? God personally wiping our tears from our tired and worn out eyes. That's what we can look forward to. A a time when things actually are as they should be. Think about that. See, I think sometimes we've carried around a mis- misguided notion that heaven's going to be boring. Ever feel like that? I mean, let's be honest. You ever kind of, ugh, is it going to be boring? And we sort of picture heaven as a bunch of babies and togas <laughs> maybe playing harps on a cloud, right? But, I mean, heaven's nothing like that. Heaven is a new creation. It's perfect relational connection. It's where God's kingdom is fully restored. And I got to tell you, I'm with you. I, you know, Lisa and I, we talk about this kind of stuff from time to time, and I'm not always super excited to talk about it. She likes to talk about it. And just kind of going back and looking at this again has really been helpful to me, even over the past week. It's like, wow, new creation, perfect relational connection. God's kingdom is fully restored. And I know it's hard to understand what it's, be, what it's gonna be like. And sometimes I think our, our experience of life is so far from that, we can't even imagine how good it's gonna be. Does that make some sense? Maybe this will help. We're going to celebrate communion. And uh, as always, I forgot to grab communion before I came in. Thank you. If you don't have one, I want everybody to make sure everybody has one. Would you hold, just raise your hand real quick so we can make sure everybody's got one. If you, if you, need, if you need a cup and with the bread and the juice, raise your hand. Okay, so everybody got it except for me. All right. I don't follow directions. Uh, in a moment, we're going to celebrate communion. Uh, and as we do, I want you to try something, okay? And I, I would... Just want to challenge you to step out of your comfort zone just a little bit and go there with me on this, okay? Because this was really helpful for me and I hope it'll be helpful for you. Uh, because I'm going to ask you to use your imagination for just a few minutes to grasp in your mind a picture of what it might be like to live with God and each other in this new heaven and new earth, okay? Would you, would you do this for a moment with me? Give me a nod of the head if you're with me on this, okay? Let's, let's kind of do this together. All right, so I'm going to ask you if you would go ahead and just close your eyes, all right? Just kind of relax. Take another deep breath. Let's just, you know, I I think God works in some interesting and crazy ways. And and it might be for this very moment right here that you showed up on this Thanksgiving weekend here at Community Lincoln Park. Um, And if so, I don't want you to miss this moment. So I'm just going to ask right now if the Holy Spirit would come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We know you promised to be here, but God, right now, in this moment, we ask you to make your presence known. And I want you to kind of get a picture of what it might be like, what heaven might be like, again, to be with God and to be with each other forever. And so as your eyes are closed, I want you to, I want you to think of a moment in your life where maybe you were struck, even overwhelmed, by, by something absolutely beautiful. Maybe it was watching a sunrise or, or a sunset in a beautiful place. Maybe you were in the mountains or maybe you were on the beach you know, sometimes I get up early and I drive out to the suburbs and I get on Lakeshore Drive as the sun is rising up over the lake and it's absolutely stunning and I just love to soak in that moment. So try to bring an experience like that to mind right now. Try to picture it. Just try to feel it even if you can. Okay, just take a moment to do that. And 
Now, now why do you hold on to that feeling in your mind? Let's, let's kind of build on it, okay? Can you, can you think of a time in your life when you experienced what, it, what, what felt like kind of a higher form of love? It almost felt transcendent. Maybe it was a, a first kiss or a last kiss, or maybe it was the moment of your baptism or the birth of a child. Do you remember that moment where you experienced that kind of love, that kind of connection? Hang on to that too. And then can you think of a moment or season in your life where you felt the deepest connection with your family and friends? Maybe, or family or friends. You know, maybe it was a holiday celebration. Maybe it was when you were a child or a random night out with friends. Or maybe it was a time you laughed so hard your face and stomach hurt. Do you remember anything like that? Allow that to kind of fill your mind. All right, now open your eyes, and I want you to try to imagine what it might be like to open your eyes for the very first time in the new heaven and in the new earth, and in an instant you experience something that is infinitely greater than the combination of all those moments that you just thought of put together. You know, an experience of love and beauty and joy and connection that was just like so overwhelming and so intense, you almost think you, you can't possibly bear it anymore if it weren't for this new body that you've been given, this new eternal body. And then it, that moment doubles and then it doubles again and it doubles again and again and again all through eternity. I mean, imagine what that would be like. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just like a glimmer of what we have to look forward to. You see, this is our great hope that Jesus' second coming will usher in a new age where God's kingdom will be fully realized. But I can't leave us there because this hope, as you know, as we've said throughout the course of this series, this hope is not just about the future. You see, God's new creation, his new kingdom is breaking into our world through Jesus and his kingdom community, us, the church. That's what we're here for. That vision of love and beauty and joy and connection you just experienced is not just about the future, it's about the here and now. It's why the apostle Paul declares, therefore, if anyone is a new creation, (laughs) the new has come, the old is gone. And the new creation, the new heaven, and the new earth, the kingdom of God, you see, it is, it's available to us now. Not fully realized, but it is available to us right now. And so that really leaves us with two challenges. And the first is, every single one of us, we have to decide, are we going to follow our own way, or are we going to follow the ways of Jesus and his kingdom community? And that decision isn't about the future. It's about a current reality today, right now. And the next Sunday, we've got three people who are going to be baptized, planning to get baptized. And that's their public expression of their choice to follow Jesus and his kingdom community in the here and now. That makes a difference in their life, that moment as well as well into the future and for eternity. And if you'd like to do that, I'd love to talk to you about that. And I know some of you might feel like you've wandered away from God. Maybe you felt like you were close to God at one time, but it just doesn't feel the same. You know what? Let today be the day you come back to God. Today you can find your way back to him. And secondly, I hope that this picture of eternity gives you great confidence and joy. But I hope it will also help us all recognize that the most important thing that we can do in our lifetimes together collectively as a faith community is to help more and more people find their way back to God so that they can experience this kind of life. And you see, communion is a celebration. 
This right here, and if you want to go ahead and peel back that top layer, this bread and this juice, it's a, it's a reminder of how much Jesus wants to be with us. He wants to be with us so much that he would rather die than live without us. And this bread reminds us of his body that was broken. The juice reminds us of his blood that was shed. And so, you know, kind of putting the capstone on this series today. And so together as his kingdom community, let's celebrate the body of Christ. And together as his kingdom community on earth, let's celebrate the blood of Christ together. All right, would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for, thank you for mostly for Jesus and the fact that he gives us the opportunity to become a new creation, that we can actually say the old is gone, we are forgiven, our past is wiped clean. And God, thank you also that um, not only can we experience that new life, that new creation on earth, but we can also experience it with you forever in heaven where there's perfect relational connection and where, where God's kingdom will be fully restored. There'll be no more pain, no more crying, no more tears, no more war, no more strife, no more pandemics. Life will truly be God as it should be and even beyond. God, help us. Help us to reflect your love and your light to the people we come into contact every single day that as your kingdom community, Lord, we will, we will exhibit your love and your grace and your hope and your peace and your mercy to folks that just are lonely, so desperately need it, just like we all need it. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name.